Chapter Eleven of Fifty Years Ago by Walter Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Tavern. The substitution of the restaurant for the tavern is of recent origin. In the year eighteen thirty seven, there were restaurants, it is true, but they were humble places and confined to the parts of London frequented by the French for english of every degree there was the tavern plenty of the old taverns still survive to show us in what places our fathers took their dinners and drank their punch the cheshire cheese is a survival the cock until recently was another some of them like the latter had the tables and benches partitioned off others like the former were partly open and partly divided the floor was sanded there was a great fire kept up all through the winter with a kettle always full of boiling water the cloth was not always of the cleanest the forks were steel in the evening there was always a company of those who supped for they dined early on chops steaks sausages oysters and welsh rabbit of those who drank those who smoked their long pipes and those who sang yes those who sang in those days the song went round if three or four templars supped at the coal hole or the cock or the rainbow one of them would presently lift his voice in song and then be followed by a rival warbler from another box at the coal hole indeed where met the once famous wolf club edmund keene president the landlord one rhodes by name was not only a singer but a writer of songs chiefly i apprehend of the comic kind i suppose that the comic song given by a private gentleman in character that is with a pocket-handkerchief for a white apron or his coat off or a battered hat on his head is almost unknown to the younger generation they see the kind of thing but done much better at the music halls really nothing marks the change of manners more than the fact that fifty years ago men used to meet together every evening and sing songs over their pipes and grog not young men only but middle-aged men and old men would all together join in the chorus and that joyfully banging the tables with their fists and laughing from ear to ear the roisterers are always represented as laughing with an absence of restraint impossible for us quite to understand the choruses too were of the good old whack fal de ral de rido character which gives scope to so much play of sentiment and lightness of touch beer of course was the principal beverage and there were many more varieties of beer than at present prevail one reads of brook clear kennet it used to be sold in a house near the oxford street end of tottenham court road of shropshire ale described as dark and heavy of the luscious burton innocent of hops of new ale old ale bitter ale hard ale soft ale the balmy scotch mellow october and good brown stout all these were to be obtained at taverns which made a speciality as they would say now of any one kind thus the best stout in london was to be had at the brace tavern in the queen's bench prison and the cock was also famous for the same beverage served in pint glasses a rival of the cock in this respect was the rainbow long before the present handsome room was built the landlord of the rainbow was one william calls 
formerly head-waiter at the cock predecessor i take it of tennyson's immortal friend but he left the cock to better himself and as the same time mary the incomparable the matchless mary most beautiful of barmaids left it as well gloom fell upon the frequenters of the tavern mary left the cock about the year eighteen twenty too early for the future poet laureate to have been one of the worshippers of her grecian face under calls's management the rainbow rivalled the cock in popularity the cider cellar kept by evans of covet garden and had gone through a period of decline but was again popular and well frequented mention may also be made of clitters of offley's famous for its lamb in spring of the keen's head whose landlord was a great comic singer of the harp haunt of aspiring actors of the albion the finish or the royal saloon piccadilly where one looked in for a few goes of max what was max in the very worst company that london could supply it is the fashion to lament the quantity of money still consumed in drink but our drink bill is nothing in proportion compared with that of fifty years ago thus the number of visitors to fourteen great gin shops in london was found to average three thousand each per diem in edinburgh there was a gin shop for every fifteen families in one irish town of eight hundred people there were eighty-eight gin shops in sheffield thirteen persons were killed in ten days by drunkenness in london there was one public-house to every fifty-six houses in glasgow one to every ten yet it was noted at the time that a great improvement could be observed in the drinking habits of the people in the year seventeen forty two for instance there were nineteen million gallons of spirits consumed by a population of six million that is to say more than three gallons a head every year or if we take only the adult men something like twelve gallons for every man in the year which may be calculated to mean one bottle in five days but a hundred years later the population had increased to sixteen million and the consumption of spirits had fallen to eight million two hundred and fifty thousand gallons which represents a little more than half a gallon or four pints a head in the year or taking the adult men only their average was two gallons and one sixteenth a head so that each man's pint bottle would have lasted him for three weeks in scotland however the general average was twenty-seven pints a head and taking adults alone thirteen gallons and a half a head and in ireland six and a half gallons a head it was noted also in the year eighteen thirty seven that the multiplication of coffee-houses of which there were sixteen hundred in london alone proved the growth of more healthy habits among the people but though there was certainly more moderation in drink than in the earlier years of the century the drink bill for the year eighteen thirty seven was prodigious a case of total abstinence was a phenomenon the thirst for beer was insatiable with many people especially farmers and the working classes generally beer was taken with breakfast even in my own time that is to say when the queen had been reigning for one and twenty years or so there were still many undergraduates at cambridge who drank beer habitually for breakfast and at every breakfast party the tankard was passed round as a finish in country houses the simple light home-brewed ale the preparation of which caused a most delightful anxiety as to the result was the sole beverage used at dinner and supper every farmhouse every large country house and many town housekeepers brewed their own beer just as they made their own wines their own jams and their own lavender water beer was universally taken with dinner even at great dinner parties some of the guests would call for beer and strong ale was always served with the cheese after dinner only port and sherry in middle-class houses were put upon the table 
sometimes madeira or lisbon appeared but as a rule wine meant porter sherry unless which sometimes happened it meant cowslip ginger or gooseberry except among the upper class claret was absolutely unknown as were burgundy rhone wines sauterne and all other french wines in the restaurants every man would call for a bitter ale or stout or half and half with his dinner as a matter of course and after dinner would either take his pint of port or half pint of sherry or his tumbler of grog champagne was regarded as the drink of the prodigal son in the family circle it never appeared at all except at weddings and perhaps on christmas day in fact when people spoke of wine in these days they generally meant port they bought port by the hogshead had it bottled and laid down they talked about their cellars solemnly they brought forth bottles which had been laid down in the days when george the third was king they were great on body bouquet and bee's wing they told stories about wonderful port which they had been privileged to drink they looked forward to a dinner chiefly on account of the port which followed it real enjoyment only began with when the cloth was removed the ladies were gone and the solemn passage of the decanter had commenced there lingers still the old love for this wine it is without doubt the king of wines i remember ten years ago or thereabouts dining with one then my partner now alas gathered to his father's at the blue post before that old inn was burned down the room was a comfortable old-fashioned first floor low of ceiling with a great fire in an old-fashioned grate set with four or five tables only because not many frequented this most desirable of dining-places we took with dinner a bottle of light claret when we had gone through the claret and the beef the waiter who had been hovering about uneasily interposed don't drink any more of that wash he said let me bring you something fit for gentlemen to sit over he brought us of course a bottle of port they say that the taste for port is reviving but claret has got so firm a hold of our affections that i doubt it as for the drinking of spirits it was certainly much more common then than it is now among the lower classes gin was the favourite the drink of the women as much as of the men do you know why they call it blue ruin some time ago i saw going into a public-house somewhere near the west india docks a tall lean man apparently five-and-forty or thereabouts he was in rags his knees bent as he walked his hands trembled his eyes were eager and wonderful to relate the face was perfectly blue not indigo blue or azure blue but of a ghostly ghastly corpse-like kind of blue which made one shudder said my companion to me that is gin we opened the door of the public-house and looked in he stood at the bar with a full glass in his hand then his eyes brightened he gasped straightened himself and tossed it down his throat then he came out and he sighed as one who has just had a glimpse of some earthly paradise then he walked away with swift and resolute step as if purposed to achieve something mighty only a few yards farther along the road but across the way there stood another public-house the man walked straight to the door entered and took another glass again with the quick grasp of anticipation and again with that sigh as of a hurried peep through the gates barred with the sword of fire this man was a curious object of study he went into twelve more public-houses each time with greater determination on his lips and greater eagerness in his eyes the last class i suppose opened these gates for him and suffered him to enter for his lips suddenly lost their resolution his eyes lost their lustre he became limp his arms fell heavily he was drunk and his face was bluer than ever this was the kind of sight which hogarth could see every day when he painted gin lane it was in the time when drinking-shops had placards stuck outside or to the effect that for a penny one might get drunk and blind drunk for tuppence but an example of a blue ruin actually walking in the flesh in these days one certainly does not expect to see next to gin rum was the most popular there is a full rich flavour about rum 
it is affectionately named after the delicious pineapple or after the island where its production is the most abundant and the most kindly it has always been the drink of her majesty's navy it is still the favorite beverage of many west india islands and many millions of sailors niggers and coolies it is hallowed by historical associations but its effects in the good old days were wonderful and awe-inspiring it was the author and creator of those flowers now almost extinct called grog blossoms you may see them depicted by the caricaturists of the rowlandson time but they survived until well past the middle of the century the outward invisible signs of rum were indeed various first there was the red and swollen nose next the nose beautifully painted with grog blossoms it is an ancient nose and it is celebrated by the bacchanalian poet of normandy olivier basselin in the fifteenth century there was next the bottle nose in all its branches i am uncertain never having walked the hospitals whether one is justified in classifying certain varieties of the bottle nose under one head or whether each variety was a species by itself all these noses with the red and puffy cheeks the thick lips the double chins the swelling aldermanic corporation and the gouty feet in list and slippers meant rum great god rum these symptoms are no longer to be seen therefore great god rum is either deposed or he hath but few worshippers and those half-hearted the decay of the great god rum and the great goddess gin his consort is marked in many other ways formerly the toper hath filled a thick short rummer with spirit and poured upon it an equal quantity of water mr weller's theory of drink was that it should be equal the modern toper goes to a bar gets half a wine-glass of scotch whisky and pours upon it a pint of apollinaris water the ancient drank his grog hot with lemon and sugar and sometimes spice this made a serious business of the nightly grog the modern takes his cold even with ice and without any addition of lemon indeed he squashes his lemon separately and drinks the juice in apollinaris without any spirit at all a thing abhorrent to his ancestor again there are preparations of a crafty and cryptic character once greatly in favour and now clean forgotten or else fallen into a pitiable contempt and doomed to a stumbling halt and broken-winged existence take for instance the punch-bowl fifty years ago it was no mere ornament for the sideboard in the china cabinet it was a thing to be brought forth and filled with a fragrant mixture of rum brandy and caraco lemon hot water sugar grated nutmeg cloves and cinnamon the preparation of the bowl was as much a labour of love as that of a claret cup its degenerate successor the ladles were beautiful works of art in silver where are those ladles now and what purpose do they serve shrub again rum shrub is there any living man who now calls for shrub you may still see it on the shelf of an old-fashioned inn you may even see the announcement that it is for sale painted on doorposts but no man regardeth it i believe that it was supposed to possess valuable medicinal properties the nature of which i forget again there was pearl early pearl once there was a club in the neighbourhood of covent garden which existed for the purpose of arising betimes and drinking pearl before breakfast or there was dog's nose gentle reader you remember the rules for making dog's nose they were explained at a now famous meeting of the brick lane branch of the grand junction ebenezer temperance association yet i doubt whether dog's nose is still in favour again there was copus is the making of copus cup still remembered there was bishop it was a kind of punch made of port wine instead of rum and was formerly much consumed at the suppers of undergraduates it was remarkable for its power of making men's faces red and their voices thick it also made them feel as if their legs and arms and every part of them were filled out and distended as with twice the usual quantity of blood these were no doubt valuable qualities considering medicinally 
yet bishop is no longer in demand malled ale is still perhaps cultivated they used to have pots made for the purpose of warming the ale these were long and shaped like an extinguisher so that the heat of the fire played upon a large surface and warmed the beer quickly when it was poured out spice was added and perhaps sugar and no doubt a dash of brandy negus a weak compound of sherry and warm water used to be exhibited at dancing parties but is now i should think unknown save by name i do not speak of current gin damson brandy or cherry brandy because one or two such preparations are still produced nor need we consider british wines now almost extinct yet in country towns one may here and there find shops where they provide for taste still simple the cowslip delicate and silky to the palate the ginger full of flavour and of body the red currant rich and sweet a lady's wine the gooseberry possessing all the finer qualities of the grape of epernay the raisin with fine tokay flavour or the raspberry full of bouquet and of bee's wing but their day is past the british wines are practically made no more all these drinks once so lovingly prepared and so tenderly cherished are now as much forgotten as the toast in the nut-brown ale or the october humming ale or the mead drunk from the gold-rimmed horn they still drink something out of a gold-rimmed horn in the hall of corpus christi cambridge or the lordly e procrus wherewith sir richard whittington entertained his sovereign what day he concluded the banquet by burning the king's bonds or the once popular mixture of gin and noyo or the cup of hot salute from the stall in covent garden or on the fleet bridge the tavern we can hardly understand how large a place it filled in the lives of our forefathers who did not live scattered about in suburban villas but over their shops and offices when business was over all of every class repaired to the tavern dr johnson spent the evenings of his last years wholly at the tavern the lawyer the draper the grocer the bookseller even the clergy all spent their evenings at the tavern going home in time for supper with their families you may see the kind of tavern life in any small country town to this day where the shopkeepers assemble every evening to smoke and talk together the tavern was far more than a modern club because the tendency of a club is to become daily more decorous while the tavern atmosphere of freedom and the equality of all comers prevented the growth of artificial and conventional restraints something of the tavern life is left still in london but not much the substantial tradesman is no longer resident there are no longer any clubs which meet at taverns and the old inns with their sanded floors and great fireplaces are nearly all gone the swan with two necks the bell sauvage the tabard the george and vulture the bolton ton they have either ceased their existence or their names call forth no more associations of good company and good songs the dog and duck the temple of flora apollo's gardens the bull and the pound the blue lion of gray's inn lane what memories linger round these names what man is now living who can tell us where they were End of chapter eleven